Hey, there you go. All right. Yay. We're done. Let's take a moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's very Naropa of you. Yeah, I know. Uh, Yes. So, so we finished up the uh, Eumaeus section and Ithaca and Penelope. And of course, the Eumaeus is where, where, uh, Bloom takes Daedalus to the uh, cabman shelter and tries to sober him up. And, you know, they have, you know, brief discussions about their, you know, philosophical, political ideologies. Yeah. He uh, shows her, uh, shows Stephen a picture of Molly that he keeps in his uh, wallet. So, you know, I, 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 so I went through my notes yesterday and uh-huh. I, and one of the things I ended up commenting on, is it me or is there a lot of picture looking at in this book? There's a lot of like men looking at pictures of women. I feel I, like. Yeah, I think so. There's postcards. There's tor- like later on, there's more stuff of like looking at. Porn. Women in picture. Well, there's definitely there's porn, yeah, but there's also just like <laughs> I don't know. I forget. There was a picture. The uh, the sailor had a, a postcard, and then mm. later someone showing a picture of someone from I forget where she's from, Spain. I don't remember. She, right. There's a whole yeah. I don't know that it necessarily you know leads to or means or points to anything. There were just a lot of pictures. Maybe it's a you know I don't know. I have no, I have no ideas on it. None. <laughs> it's just something I noticed. But by, by like the sixth time they're gazing upon the picture, I'm like, wow, I think I've read this before. Right. Well, you know, of course, there was no TV back then. That's there, true. We weren't even really, this, we hadn't even really started with motion pictures yet by this, by 1904, had we? I mean, if it might have been... Some preliminary stuff, but not common. Let's uh, let's find out. So, how did you manage with the uh, um, the Ithaca section and all of those questions? And so, I found I I actually found this section the easiest to read in general. Right. This last part, and I found Ithaca a lot more, also a lot more accessible. There was a part. Because when I start losing the thread, I'll write a note to myself. I'm trying to get to my my notes on that section. And there was a part where I'm just like, like I got a little bit fatigued by, there was like a lot of heavy glue. So I'm, I'm, I, I wrote this down around 719. So we're getting into, were there schemes of wider scope? A scheme to be formulated and submitted for approval to the Harbor Commission of the Exploitation of White Coal Hydraulic Power obtained by Yeah, so I started getting a little fatigued by like by by the content. But in general, I think it was I, I mean it was easier to read. I wasn't really clear, like I, I found I was asking myself what was the purpose, except for the fact that there's, you know, he kind of tries on a lot of different forms right. in the book in general. So I don't know. What were your thoughts about like? Well, I think I think three hundred nine questions. Is that what it was that gets an, that get answered oh, in that counted, section? Oh, you counted, or is that like a? That is was that something like I a... saw in the notes. Because oh, okay. I and was, also a... I was a bit, uh, yeah. After about you know a hundred questions, I was like, hey, okay, whatever. I don't need to know this. <laughs> And there, there were, there were like two or three, or maybe even more, that just kind of because it took me a few pages to realize there were questions because I'm dense. But um, 
there were some that were commands. There were mm-hmm. there were a handful that were not in the form of questions. Right, right. It wasn't like tell like, me this. They were like instruct. Yeah, yeah. Or like instructions or describe it or. Yeah, I was I was more interested in the uh, the questions and instructions that revealed you know something about Bloom or Stephen mm-hmm. as as characters as people, and not so much interested in the the logistics of you know commerce and and you know the harbor schedules and. Yeah, I, I think that's a very reasonable reaction to have. <laughs> I think that's understandable. I was kind of curious as to. You know, because well, we go back where where Bloom is trying to sober up Stephen and gets him back to the house, and you know he's got all those plans to turn Stephen into you know a singer to accompany Molly. Did you catch that? Mm-mm. Yeah, he's he just goes through this series of plans where he's going to turn Stephen into this you know world class tenor because he has a nice singing voice. Because while they're where walking, it's you know where you have that the musical notes. Mm-hmm. Right about in there is where he's walking with Stephen and gets him to sing. And when he hears him sing, he starts thinking, oh, you know, he's got a nice voice. We could get him in to uh, clean him up. They have that conversation about how long it's been since Stephen um, Daedalus had a bath. Yeah, I was just like, uh, that's kind of noteworthy. Why isn't the guy bathing? And yeah, no, this, this is supposed to be set on one day in, in June. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't had a bath since October, I think was what it was. Oh, God, I didn't even, oh, my God, I didn't even realize it was that long. But, like, because yeah. I thought <laughs> for some reason it, it suggested a different, I mean, it was still a long period of time. Okay. Oh, wait, we're back. The, the part with the music is back in, that's before. Yeah, that's about before page it. 690. Oh, okay. It was during it was during the question and answer section. It is okay. But I think he also had the thoughts going back, you know, in the last part of it's after they leave the uh, the cab driver's shelter and start walking back. Yeah, so you have the scene where the 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 prostitute comes in and Bloom hides from her or tries to hide from her and then goes mm-hmm. into the whole thing about warning Stephen about loose women. About the sex worker. Yeah. Is that in Ithaca? I remember that, but I, I don't no, know. No, that's in that's in the last Some thing. reason I thought it was earlier. Yeah. Oh, no. it is. Okay. So, so do you remember that scene where they're walking and they pass the uh, the street sweeper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about then where he's doing the singing and, and Bloom has the idea. So what is the purpose of wanting to make Stephen a singer with Molly? To well, kind of keep an eye on her? Well, I think maybe to keep an eye on him, to help him out, but also, you know, there's... There's that uh, – it's a way to as, – as a manager because he's Molly's manager as well as husband. So the managing mm-hmm. Stephen would you know, bring in more money. I see. I didn't catch any of that. And then he gets him back to the, uh, the house and then also, that's when all the, uh, the questions and the comparisons and contrast with you know, what did Stephen see on raising his gaze to the height of the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and there's the bath thing. Oh, where he took – he's not taking baths, that part. What reason did Stephen give for declining Bloom's offer that he was a hydrophobe, hating partial contact by immersion or total by submersion in cold water, his last bath having taken place in the month of October of the preceding year, <laughs> disliking the aqueous substances of glass and crystal, distrusting aquacies of thought and language? What impeded Bloom from giving Stephen counsels of hygiene and prophylactic to which should be added suggestions concerning the preliminary wetting of the head and contraction of the muscles with rapid splashing of the face? And oh my God. <laughs> yeah. detail. Everything became kind of clinical and technical with a lot of those mm-hmm. questions. Just a little too. It's like, eh. I don't know. I think part of the reason I'm such a reductionist in most things that, you know, like, 
this book could have been, if I were to do something like this, you know, the day in the life of, of somebody, then have it, you know, be mm-hmm. a, a non-story type of story, it would be like two thirds of the size of this. <laughs> well, I think it would be for most people. <laughs> but, you know, um, I think we had both talked about this before is that, you know, when you get into Penelope, when you get into Molly's section, that was probably, you know, despite the lack of, of punctuation and the, and the true stream of consciousness nature of it, it was the easiest part to read and understand. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was also a little bit fatiguing just because it is such a wall of words, like right. visually it's a lot. Actually, that reminds me, there's that book. Oh God, they made a movie of it, which apparently wasn't very good. Blindness, I think it was. I think it's a Spanish author and it's about everybody loses their sight. Hmm. They made a movie of it and Julianne Moore. Yeah, the, the entire break. There, there are no paragraphs. There's no dialogue breaks. It is like 300 pages of what Molly's section looks like. Wow. That is reminding me. Yeah. I would um, not read that book. Yeah. It's a good book. It's supposed to be not a very good. <laughs> not a very good movie. Or darkness or no, I heard it wasn't a good movie. So there's the repetition of yes, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of a well-known thing about the chapter. But also, you know, one the thing that I had heard about, like the main thing I had heard about this book was that it ends with an orgasm. Yeah, I, I did not I read this that. anywhere. I, I did not read this anywhere. But like, I feel like that's a famous thing people talk about, especially towards the ends with the yeses. And I'm like, is that true? And is she masturbating? Yeah, I don't I didn't point. I didn't get um, the, that sense at all. I would not have gotten it had I not heard it, and maybe it's not true. Right. Um, yeah, I. But I've heard people. I think just because there's so much blunt discussion of of sex throughout her monologue mm-hmm. that they just think all this sudden repetition of yes is an orgasm, and it's it's n- not. Because it's why would that end thing? All that yes is is her response to Bloom's proposal of marriage way back when, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I read it. Well, the, let me. Yeah. So the the proposal is in seven eighty two. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the moment, I don't think we should look it up. I should. What am no, I doing? no, I just mean like eventually, like someone should. I can, I can, I can look it up. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I my my impression was that she, you know, throughout that whole monologue was that she was, and this is without looking at any previous notes. I haven't even read, you know, any notes or comments. Yeah, I have on on Molly's section. I barely was, did for this section either. Yeah, I didn't have to. I didn't have to check in and 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 give myself anything to you know to grab a hold of or or get grounded because it was pretty obvious to me. And my sense was that. You know, she was in this sort of post-coital bliss after Blazes Boylan left. That you is know. an awful name. Yeah. And, you know, she was, you know, consummating this affair, you know, not entirely out of, not entirely out of, of sheer desire, but also out of a sense of kind of revenge because of mm-hmm. Bloom's infidelities. And she was annoyed with him the minute he, and especially when he comes to bed and asks for breakfast in bed, she's just annoyed with him. So it, it wouldn't make any sense to me if, the, to the end, if someone tried to argue that, oh, you know, the end of the book, it's all her having an orgasm. Well, really? <laughs> she was, she was annoyed he came to bed. She was annoyed that he kissed her butt. Did you catch that one? 
Bloom kisses her butt. Right. But does Boylan right. kiss her butt too? No, it's just oh, okay. Bloom. I was gonna say, but Bloom kisses her butt at the beginning. Right. So apparently he's got a thing with butt kissing. Um, eh, nothing wrong with that, I suppose. Okay, so maybe maybe the person I heard this from is is full of shit. But um, oh. <laughs> huh. Okay, so you know, there's always been this argument or this position or this criticism of male writers writing from or writing female characters, women characters, of not mm-hmm. getting it right, not understanding it. And I don't know where to stand on on how well Joyce gets Molly as a woman. Well, there was a couple of things where I think they they suggest something about masturbating with a banana. Yeah, I saw and that. And another thing where she's like really happy about looking at her own breasts bouncing. Uh-huh. And that felt very much like a man writing it. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's what, I, like, what I figured. Um, you know, because. Yeah, like that was a little, I'm like, like, I think I might have rolled my eyes a couple of times. I think what, I, you know, what I think what, so what, so before I say something about that, there's also, if I'm reading this correctly, again, there are parts where Bloom is thinking about Boylan and he's, I get the impression he's kind of uh, comparing himself negatively to him uh-huh. and is looking at his own kind of indiscretions right? and is, and is taking in this, this fact of Molly having slept with somebody else in a, in, in a very non-aggressive way. Yeah. Right. So that I think actually, if we're going to like stereotype male, female, like, like that actually felt, I mean, you know, maybe that, that could be something that a man would have interior or anybody would have interior when someone's cheating on them. But right. that, that felt a very kind of not overtly male way to respond to that. Right. Right. He's not, um, he's not aggressively or violently or angrily jealous throughout the book he's just kind of sad and melancholy about the whole thing which yeah, i guess kind is kind of like i don't know i get no i was gonna say i guess almost like resigned in a way and maybe understanding in a way like there's right. i mean i guess it goes back and forth but i was surprised at some of like i don't want to say tenderness but there's a softness mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm. way he responds to it what were you gonna say because then i was well i was gonna say that's kind of actually yeah that is an interesting or unique way because there's also a in that in that response, there's also a lack of hypocrisy because he's not like right. He's not being offended and jealous and angry about her infidelity while embracing and enacting his own infidelities. You know, supposedly with the maid and when, right. with the woman he writes to. You know, he's not it's like saying, "Well, it's okay for me, but not for you." He's. And I don't think did he, does he actually have sex with anybody else, or is he just walking around like being a <laughs> jerking off in the like shrubs, like just. <laughs> Yeah, like he just seems kind of like he's kind of being a slob. Like you know, like, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember if he actually has sex with anybody, but he's like inappropriate, and mm-hmm. he's, and I kind of appreciated that more. Was that maybe he did sleep with someone and I didn't catch it? But like she sleeps with someone, but he's just like, oh, let me look at all these other maybe less 
more, I mean, somewhat more subtle things right. um, that I did that are just a little bit gross. Yeah. And it's not clear whether he actually did or did not sleep with the housemaid, but she, but Molly thinks he did. Yeah. The only thing I know about the housemaid is because that was a, that was not from here, but earlier on the, the maid is mentioned. Right. And that's actually something I did re- read in the notes. Yeah. Um, well, like the, as I, I was like I researching. Really... I didn't really catch on to the maid infidelity till we got to uh, Molly's section. Yeah. When she actually talks about it. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, and I, and I did ca- – and, and I knew about it because of something I read earlier on, not in the book, but when I was reading mm-hmm. notes. The thing that I liked about Molly's section is and – and I don't think this is – I don't think this is a woman thing at all. I think this is a human thing is the, the, the sense I got was she is, she's mad at bloom. Mm -hmm. She's hurt. Mm -hmm. And she is alternating between or among like, I'm pissed. He's a dick. Let me tell you why he's a dick feeling her own sexual power. And this is how I'm going to get back at him and whatever. And then like this, maybe I wasn't enough for him. I'm hurt. Right. Like, like it depicted that, like when we, when, when people feel betrayed, that kind of, that jumping between like bravado, mm-hmm. empowerment, right, being pissed and under it all, like being really, really hurt and like wondering about self-worth and stuff. And there was, and she never says that, but it's like, it comes in mm-hmm. and even, and even in, and I think even in her bravado, even in her. Like, I'm going to like turn the heads of these young boys and I'm right. going to, whatever. She's there is like, I would question if any, what? Oh, was he the young boy? Well, he was, he was one the young of them. boy, but yeah, she did go through a phase where she was, yeah. Um, little early 20th century is... cougarism. <laughs> yes. She's not old enough to be a cougar. Um, well, you know, at the time is... she might've been. That's true. People did die earlier than there is this, I think with anybody, if someone like, if you feel betrayed by someone and there is this, the, one of the responses is to have this bravado. I think mm-hmm. anybody hearing that would understand that to be a cover right. to a certain extent. So she, I like, like, so she's kind of circling in and out of those responses, which I, which I thought was, was real to pretty much anybody in her position. Right. Right. Yeah. Except for a, yeah, except for the uh, the banana thing and and um, and a few other things, I was. Oh yeah, I mean, there's tons. Yeah, there's tons of things she does that have nothing to do with any of that. Right. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You know, it's. It, I'm, I was surprised at times. You know, some of the uh, the things throughout the story, like that, the rather male centric. You know, nobody does that except in a man's imagination of the, uh, the banana mm-hmm. thing. Cause what it brought to mind was, you know, and this probably says something not right about me, but you know, if you, if you, if you surf around on the internet long enough, you know, you find porn and I've, I've, I have seen entire sets with like, why are you doing oh, that? You, with just, fruit? You, find, you, you know, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to, you have to look at the internet that long to find porn. It's not right. like, Oh my God, I don't know where it is. And, um, but yeah, yeah, you know, bananas so and cucumbers not, and zucchinis, like really? Yeah. There are other so many better things to do yeah, with no, vegetables no. besides, sh- and that's a guy fantasy base. That's you don't they don't make porn with fruit like that for women, do they? I don't think so. They make very little porn for women. True. It is not hygienic to put produce in your hoo ha. It's just not. 
It's not a good way to go. I, I, I like to think that perhaps there were not movies back then. There were probably dildos and they right. don't degrade. You know, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not compostable. Oh yeah. And, well, I, um, I just started just watching. idea. I think probably inspired by that whole thing, I just started watching a, a little thing on, on HBO Now with some porn star about the history of, of sex toys. And it starts off with, you know, the dildo is the oldest sex toy, and they invented dildos yeah. before we invented the wheel. Oh, yeah. Right? They're old. <laughs> Molly could have done better than a banana. So what are you, you going to do? Definitely a, a male fantasy thing. You know, just put anything yeah. up in there. Men are weird. <laughs> I say that with full knowledge of my own interior life. We're weird. Yeah. There were, as easy as the section was, there were still parts where I got lost. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, real easy to drift, you know. I like wrote little. Yeah. He doesn't do a very good job of, and I, and this is probably a, a this was probably a conscious intellectual, intellectual decision on his part. There's, there is not a lot of, help offered to the reader you know there's nothing that in this entire book right i mean there's nothing to really kind yeah. of make sure the reader is, is is kind of tagging along and and keeping up you're kind of you know left on your own well i was thinking about this it's kind of like so you know this is kind of i mean i don't know if it's an exact replica but, but like this is how our thoughts work, right? Like we go right. to one thing, go to another thing, go back and forth, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was like, not that I'll ever know, but what it, was it like to read, write this? Like, did he sit down and transcribe his mental process? Right, right. Because if I were to do that, or most people would do that, it'd be like, oh, 10% of this is usable and the rest is, you know, thinking about, right. I don't know, kitty litter or whatever. I have to go buy Kitty Litter, was, by the way. So you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so there is. I mean, there's. Uh, he gets into this in all of the the last section where he's getting into like all the details of like I don't remember what we're talking about. There's a part where yeah, there is a part where someone's talking about water. Right, right. It wasn't about Stephen not bathing but it was a whole thing about why bloom really likes water for like two pages or three pages right and it um, describes how the water so is like is brought lot... down in the aqueducts from the reservoir into town yeah and, yeah yeah yeah, where to... yeah so there's so one might say that there is superfluous uh content mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there i mean it's all well written obviously and right. if you want to know where the water came from i guess it's you know it's not like I don't know. It, right. Is it making the uninteresting interesting, or is it interesting at all? Or right. did he need an editor? Like, I, well, I'm pretty sure he had an editor, but yeah. by today's editorial standards, about 85 percent of this book never would have seen publication. You know, maybe even more. <laughs> you know, by today's standards, but you mm-hmm. know, not to say that you know people were particularly smarter back then, but you know, we didn't. They they weren't distracted by by television and, and smart devices, and there was. I hesitate, yeah. hesitate to assume that, that somehow, you know, they were more literary back then, but it's, it's kind of, what is the argument I'm making? Oh, well, you know how we sit around, people around now sit around and, and say stuff like, you know, back in the 50s, America was so much better. Things were so much better. People were more moral and more upright and whatever. And, and it's a yeah. fallacy. For, for, for just a few people. Right. They're yes, being nostalgic for this, this type of America that never existed except in their imagination. Well, 
you know, our, our, our assumption of the world that, that created James Joyce and Ulysses is that are we, are we as writers and readers thinking, oh, well, people were much better readers back then because it's, we seem to be in such decline right now. And we've got this false, you know, idea of a golden age of, of literature and literary reading that this fits into. Is that a fallacy or are we, is that true? I, this is what I'm asking. Were people better readers? Well, I, I mean, I don't know. Is it, is it safe to say, I mean, there must be because there are just more people in the world, but I think it's safe to say that there's a lot more books being published now. Yeah. Right. There's just more content out in the right. world. Right. Even if you're just talking about paper, right? right. Not, never mind what's online or whatever. So I think we're inundated with more. Like it's the whole that we have more cho- choice now. Right. And that can be not good. Um, right. Right. You dissipate the level of talent. You dissipate the, uh, the, uh, the attention. You, you know, you, uh, yeah. But then again, there is, I don't know. Yeah, it's just hard to know. But yeah, I mean, you know, the, the obscenity, the obscenity um, case at the mm-hmm. beginning of the book, the, the, the judge read this book to see if it was obscene or not. Right. Yes, it's a difficult read, but I don't think it was meant to be obscene. And he's trying to capture what happens in, in people's minds. Right. And so, um, you know, that, that guy wasn't, we can assume, I mean, he's probably smart, but he wasn't, you know, he right, probably right. wasn't like a literary genius. Now we're talking about the judge who lifted the, the ban, not the one who passed it. Because the one who passed it only had the first 13 sections to read. And the one who lifted it would have yeah, the, read the, the whole the, thing. Um, it was the guy who said it was not obscene. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he lifted the ban. Is that what it was? Right, yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, yeah he would so have had to. He reads it. And says it's not obscene. Even so, he would have read all that stuff play section with the switching genders and and elbow deep in vulva. And, yeah. And then of course all the uh, kind of going back to Molly's thing. We've we've established you know that some of the stuff was just pure male fantasy, but she was probably the more. Her her section was probably a bit more upfront and graphic about sexual desire than than any of the sections with Daedalus or Bloom. Do you, do you don't you think, or was it, or was it just more obvious? Well, I think she says it. She she says it. I mean, she's explaining herself. Right. Uh, Bloom is masturbating in public in front of a woman. <laughs> I mean, he's not saying, you know, he's not narrating it. Well, I guess he is narrating it, but. Right. Um, so I think it, it. She's talking about it, and I think there's a way. Probably more forthright about where, it, at least, you know. Well, she's she's angry because she feels slighted by men. Right. They don't get it. They've been mistreating her. They've been ignoring right. her, and she's asserting, like, I have needs too. I have this body. I'm, you know. So I think I think part of it, it it read to me part of it's like yes she'd be explicit but I think she's being explicit in in a way of like for having been forgotten right right it, it, to counteract having been ignored or right. seeing feeling like she's ignored that's that's surprisingly that's a surprisingly feminist stance from a male writer. Well, even like you're talking about that section where there's all like the 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 um 
all the the gender switching Mm -hmm. and he's i mean he's being beat or talking about being beat or you know being flogged and and kind of being sexually demeaned in there Mm -hmm. so he's no i mean i don't i don't know how do you read that is that like these are the things that men think and don't i mean you know i hate dichotomizing things in these right right this way that that he does not he isn't this is not this is not always a lot of male bravado clearly right and he could like i could see a lot of men reading this and, and being quite uncomfortable true. with the stuff he's doing around men and sex true true and yeah that's why right, i like, say it's take your i mean you you're well read and you're a sensitive liberal guy but take your <laughs> average like you know straight american male and yeah. give him this thing that was written in team whatever about a guy who like now you know he switches gender the sex the sex worker switches gender and he's being he's, i don't know he's being he's being flogged and he's right. i think there's there's poop involved right so yeah no that's why i kind of think it's you know it's very you know a kind of a a, a proto male feminist thing it's not perfect by any means you know like we've talked about you know the male fantasies that creep up when he's writing a female character. But yeah, it's just, no, it's, it's kind of, I think, um, I think he's, I think Joyce as a writer was, at least in this book, was able to tap into those aspects that most men repress and don't want to think about. I'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of interested to, at this point now, to go and like dig up anything that Hemingway might have said or written about this book. Because he's notoriously seen oh. as this, you know, male chauvinist pig type of okay. writer. And from what I've, I spent a lot of, too much time reading about Hemingway as an undergrad and, and still interested in reading about Hemingway just because his shadow in American letters is intensely long and huge. It's a big fucking deal in, in American writing. We say shadow in American letters? Yeah. Hemingway being, Is that know, a book? No, no, no. It's just his his particular What's the letters? American letters, American literature. Oh, okay. Right, right. So Sorry. you know he's this big presence, and he kind of has to be wrestled with one way or another. You know, either because he's a pig. Well, yeah, and because of his 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 impact, the the influence that he's had, not just on on male writers wanting to emulate him, but writers then reacting. To him, you know, in in you know, kind of a defiance or a rejection of his presence. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he's so. I'd be interested. And one of the things that they've that I've come to think about about Hemingway was that he's he's not as much of a a sexist or a chauvinist as people think he was, and that he was wrestling with you know some some gender related issues in his private life that he was that he repressed and and shielded with that papa character you know the masculine hunting mm-hmm. fighting shooting thing and that but when you actually read his uh, some of his prose there's actually this kind of undercurrent of 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 rejection of that masculine image that he's portraying with that mm-hmm. papa character you know, his persona, his public persona, you know, um, the old man in the sea is definitely 
a book about masculine vulnerability and weakness and mm-hmm. failure. It's it's not a a book that praises, you know, if it had been a book about, you know, lifting up this masculine chauvinist virility and success, then the old man would have brought the fish back. It wouldn't have been devoured uh-huh. by sharks. It wouldn't have come back as this skeleton, <laughs> right? And he wouldn't have spent days fighting it and, you know, and and everything like that and been nearly exhausted by it. He would have come back triumphant, waving this giant fish. And that would have been like, yay, men, fathers and sons. You know, that story um, to me is is a striking criticism of, of you know, masculine gender norms. Because there's that whole scene where uh, in the early part of that story where Nick Adams, who's supposed to be the stand-in for Hemingway all the time in stories, is embarrassed to be wearing his father's hand-me-down underwear, and so he takes it off and hides it under a rock. And when his father finds it, his father Uh beats him, and he then sits in an outhouse with a shotgun, you know, fantasizing about killing his father. I mean, that's Uh a a total rejection of the masculine, you know, inheritance. Uh Symbolically. And and so, and, but then, so I think that's, it's, it's interesting, you know, so I'd be interested to see what, what Hemingway thought, if there's anything that hasn't been, you know, widely disseminated of, of what he thought of, of, of Ulysses, in particular, certain parts of it, so, you know. Um, so we don't know he wrote about him, wrote about the book. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I'd have to go and find out, but I, I didn't have time to, to check on that at this point. And that might be something to come back and, and and follow up on later if we, if we wanted to, but mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be interesting just to find out. That, actually, you know what, now that, now that, now that you're saying that, that might be if, cause we, we've talked about doing a follow-up and it might be interesting as part of follow-up, not that I want to assign us more reading, but it might be interesting <laughs> to kind of read, read a little bit, like maybe each of us have like a little kind of point <clears throat> to see, um, to read, to, to kind of present what people have read about, wrote, written, written about the book. Sure, sure. You know, like I I would be interested in, in seeing kind of what the feminist perspective has been. Yeah. That might be interesting. Oh, I'm I'm moving soon, so I'm packing up my I'm packing up my 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 place and and I'm um I'm getting to the things to mail back to New York and I was actually hoping to put this book in there. Because I, yeah, obviously I'm not selling this, but I'm just like, I wonder if I could, I can put this in the box now, or will we need it later? Um, <laughs> with all my, with all my, with my all my colors. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the uh, the logistics of of a, of a follow up here at when we're when we're finished, you know, off off uh, off recording. Mm-hmm. So, if well, so overall. What did you think? Are you are you in on the joke? Are you going to be like, oh, you haven't read Ulysses? Yes, you should read Ulysses. Or are you going to be like, ah, n- n- no. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Probably neither. I think it's. I think it's an experience. Uh-huh. I think it's an experience that's. I mean, I think. I, I, you know, I don't. I don't regret reading it. There are parts I enjoyed. It's. It's a puzzle. I right. didn't get like I think I was I was talking to my trainer yesterday and I said I, I can't tell I think I understood about twenty five to fifty percent of the book <laughs> which you know I don't know is that bad really right I know someone who's read this thing like several times and I oh, won't be reading you? it several times I don't read any, I don't read anything several mm-hmm. times but 
So I, it's it's neither. I think you read it if you want to go on the journey. Right. You know, and if someone's like, no, I don't want to spend this much of my time reading almost 800 pages of whatever, I'd be like, yeah, okay. And then if someone, so I think, I think you have to be committed to kind of getting through it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's one experience. True. (laughs) And apparently fitting its wake is even harder to get through. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Not interested in doing that one next, just so you know. (laughs) And I think it's also quite long, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I'm not going to – I think if I were going – if someone were going to ask me about this now, I would be, well, Mm -hmm. one, if you're going to read it, go for it. Don't get your hopes up. Don't think it's going to make any sense to you. Um, Have a partner. Have someone to keep you uh, on track. Yeah. And kind of like what we did here. And – but then I guess the other thing I would say is is – Pay attention to the uh, to the language. If anything, it's an interesting study in in style and and language. You know, there's a lot of because one of the things I found myself once I finally was able to, particularly in 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 the uh, the section with the questions where things were a bit more clear, and in Molly's section there was some interesting ways that he was compounding words, taking separate words and mushing them together as a descriptor, as an adjective for things that I found interesting, that kind of, that appealed to mm-hmm. me as, as someone who, oh yeah, who wants to have inventive new ways to describe things. Because one of the touchstones in my literary life is always the English patient, either the book or the movie. And there's always that, that and I yeah. always go back to that scene where Almashe meets Catherine for the first time. And she says to him, you know, that she was very impressed with his monograph and that she was surprised that one could write such a long paper with so few adjectives. And he responded, well, you know, a thing is still a thing, no matter what you put, of in, put, of in, put in front of it, slow car, fast car, broken car, mm-hmm. it's still a car. And she goes, well, you know, surely love is a different thing, you know, filial love, you know, romantic love, lists all these different types of love by slapping an adjective on there. And he goes, well, you've got me there. And so, you know, the, Mm. that, that capacity to, because of, of TV, because of movies, because of the internet, we have as writers, this ability now to completely forego description because we're all so familiar Mm. with things and objects. You know, we don't have to devote all that time and space that, say, James Joyce did in, in 1914 to describing something. If you want to know what Sarajevo looks like, you can Google map it and, you know, put your little yellow man on the thing and walk down a street online through mm-hmm. Sarajevo. You know what it's going to look like. So you don't have to really waste time describing stuff. But then again, really, the, the art and the poetry of, of language and of writing comes from how we describe things. And I think mm-hmm. that, that reading how Joyce at this time with, was mushing these words together kind of is yet another little step for me in, in loosening up my, my feelings and thoughts and perceptions about how to use the language to get to those interesting descriptions, those things that liven up the writing that make people stop and go, oh, listen, this reads like poetry and and get it into that book mm-hmm. and into that story. So I think if you're going to read it and you're not this, you know, deep, you know, lit major type of thing, if, if you're going to read it, read it as a writer, read it as a, as a, 
as a way to uh, kick the rust off your uh, your linguistic wheels and and loosen up your uh, your rather rigid and staid uh, patterns of of speaking and describing. Yeah, and there are de- there are, I mean there's a he does do that like all of a sudden he'll be like I'm going to rhyme a bunch of stuff in this sentence you know like <laughs> there is a lot of great stuff with sound right, that just right. pops out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the onomatopoeia and the juxtaposition of sounds and repetitions mm-hmm. of things like that. It's, it was interesting and liberating, but you know, I definitely would not say, Oh, this is such a great book. You should go out and read it. No, I, it's, it's, it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for just the recreational <laughs> reader. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I might really like a horror movie, but you know, some people really don't want to watch horror movies and then yeah. I wouldn't tell them to watch it, you know? <laughs> you know this is a horror movie yeah that was good i'm glad we did this this was uh we did it. yes we did it uh, i just looked it up finnegan's wake is uh 656 pages oh so it's shorter <laughs> oh yeah it's a breeze it'll be a breeze you can get it done in a weekend right right it's a uh, beach reading yay for us we did it we 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 finally checked something off of our much belated graduate school, you know, requirements. <laughs> yes, and this fat thing is not taking up room in my bookshelf anymore. Right. Yeah, I'll still hang on to it, warped with and, and soaked in, uh, in, you know, Kool-Aid. So, just That's to have right. it That's right. No, it's like the Velveteen Rabbit books now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for, thanks for doing this with me. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, thank you. Don't uh, don't uh, say goodbye to the audience. Bye, audience. <laughs>